Welcome to Berenson Bond Podcast, episode 94, with your host, Corey and Diego Berenson. Hello, Diego. Hello. And today we have an amazing guest, friend, and veteran, awesome all-around human, Mr. Robert Linus. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Man, I've been really looking forward to having you on here. been friends for a long time, and I love having Diego realize I do have friends. <laughs> I, I got friends. I got friends. I don't see them all the time. I would love to see you more, you know, anytime, dad, man. you know, anytime. parenting style. But, you know, this is cool for him and me because it's a uh, pull you in here, get a chance to listen to you, learn from you. But yeah, I know people. I got people. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> they do exist. It's not the ones that are in his head. Yeah. And he I, actually I'm, has people that are real people. Besides, yeah, me talking to myself. <laughs> So, uh, I, I, you know, he's got a couple questions to start with. Uh, I gave him a few basics. Didn't want to give him too much detail because I try to piece together things you've told me. Of course. And I would love that you'd explain things even, again, uh, in uh, as much detail as you're comfortable with. Absolutely. So, uh, I've not, got... Nothing's off limits. kids in sixth grade, just to put you in a mindset. I know it's weird to have a child here where you have a conversation, but he's 11, sixth grade. Very smart kid, and um, he's been sitting here doing interviews and hangouts and really taking on that ability to just hang on out and learn from each other, and I think, as you know, because you work in tech, right? going forward, that's just a skill that's immeasurable when it even comes to connecting and you leading, you tell me, you know, near, almost near 100 people in the past. Yeah. That skill is imperative. So even if it's just hanging out and relating, it's it's awesome. It's imperative and uh, and it's a lost skill. And the thing about it is people don't understand it, especially people that are younger these days because they're so enthralled and, and tunnel vision um, of doing their own thing and making it themselves and 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 uh, spending time on their their devices and and not really getting interacting as much as we used to. And that's fine when you're something like a computer programmer because you know you want to sit there and focus on a problem and you don't really want to ask for people's help because you want to solve it, right? But when you get out in the environment and you have somebody that's tasking you with tasks to write the software, you have to interact with that person or interact with that customer and try to find out what the requirements are and and what they need, and if you don't have the social interaction or, or the or the, the the chops to uh, to actually speak them and and ask them the questions needed to extract the information, then you know it's it's a it's a hard hard nut to crack at that point. So learning these things early, Diego. I mean, I, I know your dad and I have talked about it a, a number of times, and I've listened to the podcast, and and you are an extremely social and and an awesome <laughs> kid and, and and you have a great sense of humor so uh i mean i don't know if your dad's been been giving you jokes or, or material yeah just look at but me. he just usually makes fun of me that's fair that's <laughs> fair it's just, it's like the jokes write themselves yeah in that, case, you know, that is so, true um but yeah like i said ask me you know i'm free i'm i'm i'm, I'm always saying that I'm, I'm open kimono so do you know what a kimono is so think of it like a bathrobe uh-huh. right so you know, usually what do you wear underneath the bathrobe? 
like nothing nothing really yeah no. exactly. I was gonna say boxers but maybe nothing. maybe nothing you know so uh what i'd say what i tell everybody is if they ask me a question i'm open kimono i'll i'll show them everything <laughs> i'll show them everything you know what i mean so uh feel free to ask me whatever you want all right well be careful he's gonna, he's gonna bring the be heat. careful Can what you, you ask it? for <laughs> i'll try please all right diego you've got the stage son all right uh, so my dad was like telling me how you entered the Air Force. So I kind of thought of some questions about that. Okay. All right. Um, who either like inspired you or kind of pushed you to do that, like to serve for the Air Force or whatever? Okay. Um, I'll start there. So, uh, you know, your dad and I grew up probably, you know, a few miles from each other. And in Austin, there is, um, there used to be an Air Force base, you know, Bergstrom Air Force Base, and now it's Bergstrom International Airport. So when we were younger, my, uh, my mother used to be a school monitor at Cunningham Elementary. So she used to basically hand, hand people's milks out and make sure they sat at the proper tables. And if people got unruly, she would take care of them, right? And, uh, and separate them and just basically monitor lunch and make sure people got fed, right? And she did that for a while, but then she got a job at the, the Child Development Center, the CDC, on the Air Force Base. And she was basically a babysitter and a daycare. And she did that for a while, but being like your dad, like myself, it's, it's where I get it from. My mom's very social. And so she was able to get a job in the office of the CDC and kind of became an administrator. So she worked on the Air Force Base. And of course you have a, a daycare. So imagine a daycare, Everybody, everybody's parents are dropping their kids off and all of these parents are already in the Air Force. They're colonels, they're pilots, they're logistics people, they're engineers, they're mechanics, you know what I mean? And this is in the, the late eighties. So, you know, if you could think back that far, I know you weren't alive, but yeah. you know, imagine it's probably at this point, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, um, <clears throat> they, they came from all walks of life. And so I was kind of always at work with her on the evenings, that kind of thing. And I could see everybody and, and she, uh, she basically raised me in that environment and I could hear all the cool stories from everyone. You know, they would go to the Philippines, they would go to Japan, they would, they would get to travel to England and Japan and stuff. Um, and they had life experiences that was very foreign to me growing up as a, I'm not going to say a poor kid, but, you know, growing up without a lot of money, right? You don't get a chance to take a family vacation to Europe. And so I wanted to do that. And so my mother was very, very paramount in my choices of what to do after high school. And of course, like every parent, they want their kid to go to college, um, or at least that's what it used to be. Now I see a lot more parents kind of giving their kids a little more options, you know, whether you foster, you know, whatever you're good at, if you're good at mechanics or good at art, you know, maybe college isn't necessarily the best place for you. And for me, I didn't want to sit four more years in a classroom <laughs> after high school, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, and it's not like, it's not to say that school was boring. I learned a lot and then school was great, but I think I was smart enough to recognize that I wasn't going to, to make it through college. 
and I needed to do something else. So I asked my mother and, and I'll tell you the story in a second of, of what happened when I joined the Air Force, but because it wasn't just a smooth transition from high school to the military at all whatsoever. I thought it was just going to be. You thought you'd you know, say, hey, mom, I'm going in. She's like, cool. High five. Let's yeah, do this. I thought it was just going to be cupcakes like, yeah. and rainbows, yeah. but it, it definitely was not a, <laughs> a, a, a smooth transition. So anyway. I decided to join the military and uh, my mother was was very supportive. She was surprised. Uh, I don't know why she was surprised. I mean, it's, it's what she pretty much groomed me to do. But I decided to uh, to take her take her advice and, and go in and, and uh, it served me, you know, what I think very well. Um, you know, I'm 42 now and I've heard I've already retired once, you know, which is crazy for me to say. And it's not like I can't work ever again or that I I can just live off of my my earnings, right? You know, but it is nice having a fallback income mm-hmm. to take care of uh, you know, incidentals. I'm not going to be homeless again. Yeah, right? I mean that's that says a lot right there. Right, that's the biggest thing. So yeah. hopefully that answers part of your question. Yeah. Long, long, long question, long answer, long winded <laughs> no, answer. But right. guess what? Where else yeah. am I going? I'm here. I'm here to answer yeah. questions. That's right. <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Um. So, wait. So did she just say no? You can't join. You need to go to college. No, so that was the jam back then. It was right, and 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 uh, you know, you and I, you know, we're all we we knew each other from school. Of course, we're all in the same classes, and you know, we're both smart guys. Uh, I don't Super like saying smart. I have crazy. I didn't say genius level. Yeah, not- I'm not genius level like <laughs> you at all. You know what I mean? But um, you know, we we had fun in school. We, we were in the same classes, that kind of thing. And a lot of our friends were going to college. And, and I don't even know this about you. You didn't, did you even try college at all? I was, I was with you because I, I foresaw myself not wanting to be in college at all. Right. But I felt at the time we all grew up like that is the path if you want to not be homeless or struggling forever. Even knowing that, I was like, I, you know, don't want to go, but I'm going to go. So what I did is I enrolled at UT Austin. Okay. Um, did a summer before it started. I did a year and a half at UT. Let's say a year. Okay. Then the last half was me not doing school and deciding I needed, this is not for me at all. And just phased myself out. And uh, on the last day of class, I don't know if I told you this, the day, you know, and there's a monumental decision day and you know there's no returning. There's no going back from this point forward. Right. Day. Right? Yep. When pop, I for, pop committed. This, this is, there is no returning, you know, right? <laughs> burn, the, burn the bridges type day. It's yep. like, okay, for real, I'm going to not do college at all. I walked from UT campus, north side of campus. It's a big campus. Huge campus. Yep. To my house in South Austin to think through my thoughts. How long was that walk? I spent probably five hours, six hours walking home. Yeah, that's not that's that's a fifteen. I wasn't hurrying. miler. I was like, I just need to think about this decision I've made and let it sit with it. <laughs> right? I'm gonna walk home today. Yep. Okay. I'm just gonna. I don't know. I've decided. I need to. I now that I've decided, let me really. Processes. Process this. So yeah, I just walked all the way down South Austin and realizing, you know, step going through the steps. Okay, well, if I'm not in school, I need a job. 
So I was thinking, who am I going to talk to tomorrow? Who am I going to call tomorrow? What am I, what, if I get a job, is that somewhere I'm going to stay? What's like, I was trying to plan out my game plan short or long term, but I needed to do that today since I decided like for real, I'm done. And you know, you don't get a lot of those days where like, you know, I'm just going to take this massive decision in without just immediately going to the next thing. So yeah, the next day after that crazy long walk home, which was actually kind of nice, you know, we don't walk however many, what is that? 15 miles. It, yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, on concrete. <laughs> it's not like a pretty forest. <laughs> I'm going to say it's not, a, it's not, not a trail. Yeah, it's not a trail that goes from campus to your house. It's basically fir- South first yeah, all the way home. Yeah, you were just hustling, <laughs> hustling through the ghetto, yeah. uh, through South first. And then, yeah, yeah awesome. Um, so yeah, the next day I, I talked to my neighbor who was a mechanic for Ford. He got me in. At the time, they do psych tests okay. to become a mechanic at Ford. So I had to do like a three-day psychological evaluation. Right. Drug tests, other, you know, the other three interviews. And then I ended up doing, being a mechanic assistant for amount of time. Okay. Um, but that happened. <laughs> um, so no, uh, college wasn't for me is the answer. Um, and, you know, I'll pause there because, you know, every step goes further. But to bring you back to the Air Force, so you, you did a full 20. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, uh, go, I'll, I'll tell you the story now since it seems, seems to, to segue into it. So uh, I did tell you that it wasn't a smooth transition from from high school to the military. And your dad will laugh at this because, you know, your dad and I knew each other in passing. You know, we didn't hang out a lot until later on in our in our high school career, right? You know, junior and senior years when we started to see more of each other. But, you know, your dad and I are, are small small frame guys right and when i graduated high school i was 107 pounds and i'm sure you were you know probably 125 or something like that at the time but you know your dad was uh was a very small guy also early on and i remember your dad coming back one summer and when he came back he looked like popeye i mean his his forearms were huge and we were trying to figure out what happened over the summer. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess you had gone to work on shrimp boats or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so pulling nets and, and doing manual labor for three months. And all of us are like, whatever workout program Corey's on, like, I need to do that before I join the military, <laughs> you know? And so uh, when I went to talk to the recruiter, I, um, <clears throat> I signed up. And, or I'm sorry, I went to sign up, I should say. And the recruiter laughed at me because I was too small to join the military. So he said, you know, your minimum weight for you to join for your height is 115 pounds. So come back in a month when you gain eight pounds and then we'll talk. And as a recruiter, they want to make sure that you're willing to do the work. They want to make sure that you're serious. They put the onus on you. Because, yeah, he could have sat there and tried to work out with me for a month, but that wastes his time if I'm not really committed to do it. Yeah. So if you send the kid back and say, hey, you do the work, come back in a month if you're serious, and they come back, then you know that they're you're serious, right? So I said, yes, sir. And I went home and I said, mom, if you want me to join the military, I'm not qualified right now. And of course, my mom's thinking went to, 
why are you not qualified? You know, you've never been in trouble before. You know, you don't have a, a background, you know, uh, with, with the law or medical issues or that kind of thing. You should be perfectly qualified. And uh, I said, well, I'm too small. Like I need to gain eight pounds. <laughs> so you need to get to cooking. You know what I mean? So uh, for a month, I ate everything I could in the house. And I worked out like crazy. And, and I was trying to do push-ups and anything you could think of to gain weight. Uh, should have gone to work on a shrimp boat for a month. You know, like <laughs> I just spent two months in New Orleans. Exactly. Be good. Uh, but, uh, but I went back a month later after having done all the work. And put 197 the pounds. 105 pounds. No. I, I had lost two pounds because <laughs> I, was, I was just working so much, working out so much, and running so much. And uh, the recruiter was like, is this something you really want to do? I'm like, sir, I worked my butt off. Like I tried to gain weight. <laughs> I just can't gain weight. And you remember how it was. You're a hard gainer, right? I mean, yeah. you try to eat everything and it's like, oh, I can eat seven cheeseburgers and lose three pounds. How is that yeah. possible? <laughs> You know? And now, now we're like, man, I wish I had that. You know, it's, it's yeah. stupid. If I, if I look at a cheeseburger, I gained nine pounds. Yeah. You know, so anyway, um, the recruiter really sat me down. He's like, "Is this something you really want to do?" And I was like, "Sir, it is the only thing I want to do." I see all my friends leaving for college. Uh, I see them, you know, going out and stepping out on their own, and I'm going to be left at home, you know, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do because I didn't know, I didn't have a backup plan. And uh, he said, well, let me, let me get you to take a test. And I did very well on my tests. And <clears throat> he said, well, what do you want to do in the military? I told him I wanted to be an engineer, uh, an architect. I wanted to design buildings, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> since my mother knew about the military, that, um, that job lies under the realm of civil engineering. And in the Air Force, civil engineers, they dig a lot of ditches. So my mom's like, you weigh 105 pounds, you're not digging ditches pick another job. And so I basically became a computer programmer writing software in windowless rooms. Um, windowless Windowless rooms. rooms doing, you know, certain things, whatever, just to pass the time. And, and that's how I started my Air Force career, you know? So it was a, it was a little rocky start, but then, <laughs> but when you're in the military, you know, you meet so many people from different walks of life, like I said earlier, yeah, that you also meet people who have different jobs that, so are, you, that are cooler than yours. To make you realize like, oh, well, I can, I don't have, I'm not stuck in this job exactly. the whole time. Exactly. And, and the Air Force, they call it cross-training. Okay. So you try to figure out how can I cross-train into another job? You know, or how can I cross-train to get to where that guy is? And uh, there's so many mentors that you find in the military, you kind of latch yourself onto one of them and follow in their footsteps and say, how do I get to this place? And they appreciate that. So how do you how do you go about fostering that relationship, or is it just organic? Where oh we're 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 in the same hallway, or you're at the cafeteria? I guess how did you? Uh, Sometimes it's organic, right? Um, you know, I always say that, uh, and Diego, you you've probably seen this as well, but you know, you're in school and and you you can probably see people within your the cafeteria and the hallway that you may not necessarily know. But you know that you could probably um, click with, right? You could probably have similar interests, if, whether they're wearing a different sh uh, uh, a shirt that you have, or you know that it shows an interest on 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 uh, you know, let's just say they're wearing a uh, an F one shirt, right? Hey, that guy likes F one. We could probably have a conversation about something, right? You see people in passing that have similarities to yourself or that mirror yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Interests. 
And in the military, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you can you can look across a room and be like and point at Corey and say, that guy and I probably he seems like a good guy to have a cup of coffee with or he seems like a good guy to have a drink with. Right. Um, or you see those old crusty guys who look like they've been beat down and you're like, that guy's got some stories to tell. I want to hear them. You know what I mean? And, 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 <laughs> hey, and, hey, Krusty, tell me one of your stories. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and in the military, you know, we lived on base early on. And so you meet those guys and you see them at the the enlisted club, mm-hmm. you know, sitting by themselves with a beer in their hand. And you're like, let me get your next round, you know, and, and let's talk. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, they like fostering and mentoring the, the new group, right? Hey, what they have the 20 years of experience already. What do you wish you did differently early on in your career, you know, versus where you're at now? If yeah. you had somebody holding your hand or kind of giving you a, a playbook. And so you meet those people. And and I had a few mentors early on that were probably not the the best mentors. And, and what I say, I'll tell you, Diego, is if you meet somebody, um, and I always tell my guys this, you know, even if I taught you how not to do something, you know what I mean? Uh, then you learn something from me. You know, if you think you're doing something better than me, by all means, please continue doing it. Um, if I did something and failed at it, don't do don't it do that. that. Don't do it. That, don't do it that <laughs> way, right? But you're, there's always a learning opportunity from from everyone. You know what I mean? So even if it's not how to be, if it's not how to conduct yourself or carry yourself, don't be like that guy over there. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, so. or at the same time, part of that is. A lot of times we have a bunch of knowledge or somebody would have knowledge that you want to know and you think, uh, they're not going to, they don't want to spend time or teach me. But the opposite side, now that I'm super old, is we do have a lot of information, but someone wanting to come ask for it is super rare. And as we get older, you realize I don't want to just dump information on someone that doesn't care. Yeah. And you feel like I don't want to waste my time, but if someone eagerly, if someone comes to me and asks me, you just like you said, open kimono. You just like pour out everything you know. So if you have questions or you want to know something from someone, you be being confident to go ask them and say, "Hey, please tell me about X or Y." You know, it they want to share, but they're not just gonna throw it out there. Yeah. They, so, and they so, don't, so basically the point is don't be scared to ask. If you really want to know something, people are happy to share. They're just not going to walk up and be like, hey, kid, let me tell you the road to F1. Right. And they but appreciate you, the they appreciate the effort you make. And like, yeah. again, it's two ways, right? So if they see you make the effort, then they'll gladly, you know, foster that and make the effort also on their side. But like your dad said, if people are going to walk around, they're not just going to hold the keys of the kingdom and randomly throw them to people as they or passing, you know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. So, you know, you could be walking next to someone and the military, it's good. Um, it, it's a different environment. And the reason why I'm saying this is you've seen military people in their service dress, right? And you see their medals uh, on their chest and you can see all these different colors of, of um, you know, it's, it's, it's like peacocking, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, have, you have these, these when feathers you flash, that are out, you, you know, exactly, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so in the military, you know, we obviously, as military individuals, even if you're in different branches, the Air Force, the Army, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, you know what most of those ribbons mean, right? 
and we call them um, our billboards of success. So if I'm looking around a room and we're in a banquet towards an awards banquet or something, I can look at a gentleman across the street or across the across the uh, the room, and I can see a medal, and I'd be like, he's obviously done something. You know, I mean, he got awarded a silver star, you know, with a V on it, and the V stands for valor. He got awarded a silver star with valor for a specific reason. I want to find out what it is, right? And we have name tags on. So you can see a last name. And now with the internet, you know, you can look up, hey, um, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so got a silver star for, and it might have a write-up on them. You might've been somebody that has had a huge story on them and they had done something miraculously and he's three feet from you. You know, go talk to him, right? Find out what he, what is, what he was thinking when all that stuff went down, right? So it's just a unique opportunity that you have um, traveling in the same circles with individuals, you know what I mean? And it's cool and it makes you feel cool. You know, it makes you feel empowered just to, to walk around with, with all these colors on your chest and you're like, man, I actually did something. And so uh, the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, when you retire, most people and including myself, you have a retirement ceremony and at the end of your your end of your career, you have all your family members around, and the retirement ceremony is really for your family. It's not for yourself um, because you've been gone for twenty years, and your family doesn't really know what you've been doing for twenty right. years. You can't tell them, and if you tell them, they're like, "Oh yeah, my son's in the military. He's in Kuwait, or he's in Afghanistan. Well, yeah, what's he doing?" Yeah, we'll never be privy to all know. those details right. and what it was like day to day. And so, when you're out in those ceremonies for people who retire, they're reading all of your accolades that you've done over your career. And you can see your, it's like being alive at your own funeral. That's <laughs> strange. Right? It's weird because everybody's saying, oh, yeah, you know, Corey, I, I remember he did this and it was awesome and he did this. And, and you're like, I'm right here. Hey. Like, I told you that story. I'm still six, alive. I, I told you that six times already, right? And and, uh, and so, because you can't just get up and be like, okay, enough about me. Let's, you know, like, no, no. You, you that day just, is about you. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So you have to just sit there and listen to everybody unload everything about you you know and then uh and then it's over you know yeah. and it's like you know, what's had, next that just reminded me do you watch bill burr oh absolutely you know that part where he's like what was there a person at your ceremony where if they have nothing nice to say about you they didn't have to be like well Robert's uh he, he paid his bills. He paid his he bills. Paid his bills. Man, he he got he, he got some a, bills and paid it. He's a <laughs> he bill paying, bill paying guy. That's so he, he just paid them bills. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, you're 100 percent correct. He, uh, yeah. he paid his taxes. Yeah, you know? he was you know, he um, stopped you know, stop signs. I don't know. Luckily for me <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for me it wasn't like that. Um, I surround myself by you know, you, you, the good thing about having your your own ceremony is you're able to pick or handpick who you want oh, good. to talk about Cherry you, right? Pit, yeah. Exactly. So you definitely stack the stack the deck. Yeah, don't begin some lame you orator. Know what I mean? But <laughs> I have been at ceremonies and it's not the place to do it because remember it's about you. It's about your day yeah. and your family. And I have had people that weren't good leaders and you know you have other individuals who are kind of bitter about them and they'll wait till the very last day to where they know they can, there's no reprisal. They're not going to get in trouble. Take a last right. minute jab, just jab at him, you know. <sighs> and, and I'm like, dude, you messed up. You just not the it's not the forum to do it. Yeah, right. And and it shouldn't be done anyway. The guy's out. You should have helped him correct the situation. If you thought he was a bad leader, then help him. And you can mentor from below, right? Absolutely. That's 
that's a huge thing that I did not realize until any leadership, anything I didn't, I've learned a lot from Jocko is the point. Okay, his, his, fair, leadership, yeah. his leadership podcast and him leading, uh, when you lead up and down the chain uh, of command and taking ownership and all that, it's incredible. Like you can lead from the bottom by listening and building a relationship therefore fostering an opportunity to have your input heard meaning you can give ideas to someone that's above you to a teacher or a boss if you've been following what they need to be done how they want and say hey they want you to do hey i want you to make that coffee three scoops five cups of water period you do it and it tastes like garbage right do it exactly to a t just like when i told you he had a big presentation the other day it's like, why do I have to do it like this? I don't want to do it like this. Right. Because that's the literal instructions yep. of the task. Sometimes Disag- you, sometimes. Disagree with it or, or not. This is what needs to be done. Right. You're going to do that because that's literally what they're asking you to do. It isn't good. How you wanted to do your presentation was better, but that wasn't the object of that task. Right. But since you did it exactly how they asked you to. You were a superstar. You can check that box. But if you go back and say, hey, next year when we do project week, may I do my presentation in the slides like this? I'm, t- I'm serious. You say, can next year when we do it, can I do mine like this? They will be more willing to listen to you because you did what they asked first. And you'll say, well, I did it. It's not like you just, hey, go do your own thing and be like, mine's better. I'm never. They'll say, oh, well, he did it exactly how I asked. Yeah, you know what, Diego? You you can do that. Thank you for because yep. you did what you needed to do. And you. that's literally why they'd be more willing to listen to you. Yeah, you don't want to defy leadership right out the gate. Right. And leadership's going to say, hey, no, he's just not willing to listen at all whatsoever. And it, and it was a big lesson because he... He was right. He should be able to like free flow. But they, they gave an exact like, do this, don't do this. Well, tell him, tell no, him. No, those were, that was okay, literally yeah. everybody else at the school did the exact opposite of but, what I did. But listen, you you did what they asked. No, but those were tips, which okay. means you don't Why have don't, to. Okay, explain to Robert and you, but do explain the the big yes check example versus the don't do this example. Go ahead, tell him. Well, so there was, it was tips. Okay, go for it. So it was project week. You could do you could do anything creative you want for a whole week. Okay, doesn't matter. But at the at the end of it, you have to do a slideshow, right? Kind of like a wrap up. Of wrap what up. You did. You're gonna okay. you're gonna present what you learned, what you liked, your struggles. Okay. A little uh, a little debrief. A little post mortem debrief. Yep. Right. Yep. But they gave examples of the slides they wanted. Okay. Right. And the slides. Uh, he's done. He's done. A, the, what I love about the school is they teach a lot of public speaking. Right. And presentations. Huge. It's it's been since fourth grade, third Fantastic. grade. It's like you need to be in front, present, research, present, you know, just present in just familiar with that. And all the previous ones are information on the slide. It's all there, pretty much. You are going to speak about it, but the information is also there. You're just filling in whatever gaps, right? Right. 
He's been doing that for a long time, really good at it. This one is like, I just want a, the, the example was just a photo. Okay. One line of whatever, could be a random quote, just a few words, and they want you to divulge all the information. Okay. Right? So basically basically a, a note card, something, yes. to tri- something to trigger. Yeah, just, just a note card visual, and then you can have your note cards Got or it. whatever you want. But that's so different from another one where it's like, hey, here's all the info. Right. I'm filling the gap. So you could listen to me or read type presentation yeah. versus this is it's all about me. This is more of a backdrop. That's better. So that's what they gave us the yes, like check. And they said, eh, don't do this, which was what they've always done. Okay. I mean, he's done tons of presentations the other way. This is so vastly different. So I they want and make, make sure I'm understanding. So they wanted him to use the, the picture and the one line. The picture and the one line, and okay. then it's all about listening to you. Perfect. Right. So now that you understand, that was the yep homework. Okay. Now tell him what you're thinking. Well, I was saying that literally everybody else in the school did exactly like. Oh, I'm gonna read off of what happened. Okay. And okay. it was so. <laughs> <laughs> so he it was made mad no at me. Sense. So yeah, so you're upset at me because everybody did what they're used to doing. Exactly. And I could have done that. But you No, I no. could have. Okay, wait. Now I'm I'm going to step out of it. You're going to listen to Robert who literally presents so like all the time. So for his job. A couple things, right? I I'm uh, going to look away. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's and I'll say this because I'm guilty of it as well, right? When your when your family is when your family is telling you something, when your parent is telling you something, you don't want to hear it. It's true, right? I'm 42 years old. My mom still tries to give me directions to her house. Mom, mom I know where you live. Well, you know this one's got construction on it. Mom, I have a truck. It's fine. You know, I don't think the construction's going to stop my truck. You know what I mean? Well, you know, uh, it's dark outside. I have headlights, mom. You know what I mean? And and, and, and I'll tell you why that's a, an issue with her. But anyway, you don't want to listen to your parents half the time. When you're listening to an outside source who says the same thing, it might be a little different, right? And and let me tell you why, why I think this is a good thing, right? So have you ever heard the term death by PowerPoint? No, I don't think so. Okay. So death by PowerPoint, obviously is what all of your it sounds like all of your classmates did right because if i handed you a presentation with all of the information on it and then i said diego i need you to sit in this two-hour meeting and i'm going to read the slides to you right because here's all the information that's death by powerpoint because i don't need to be there you could just hand me the presentation and I could read it for myself. It's no different. Now I'm wasting two hours of my life to where I could waste 15 minutes reading the PowerPoint slide and getting everything I need, right? I think the purpose of this exercise is to do two things. One, to show that you're able to talk off the cuff. You know what I mean? So you have a a line or a, a quote from whatever on that picture is or about the story and that's kind of your visual note card for you to put thoughts together on talking about this one subject, right? Um, and then you're presenting to the next person, or you go to the next slide, and it says, okay, tell me about the color blue. You know what I mean? And so you're like, well, you know, 
my dad's shirt's blue and you keep going down. You know, I remember, you know, we used to have a blue car and the blue SUV outside and there's blue on this painting over here and that kind of thing, right? But you're going through your exercise in your head and able to put, you know, uh, a string of, of, uh, of stories together impromptu versus looking at your, because in public speaking, everybody, if you're scared of public speaking, everybody can look at a slide and read a slide. Right. And that gets you over your public speaking for that. But you're checking a box. You know, for that time period, you're checking a box. Mm-hmm. Oh, I presented for two hours. No, you didn't. You yeah. sat up there, you pointed at a slide, you read the slide. You didn't have to do any kind of work to memorize anything. Right. But if I say, give me a 15 minute presentation on this one thing and you look at it, that's more of a teaching moment for me kind of thing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably what your teachers were trying to elicit when they gave that assignment if they said use this format and and tell me about everything right it's just like your dad giving you a book and asking you hey give me a debrief on the book you know you're gonna you're gonna debrief however you feel the need to but if he gave you and said write this book report and make sure you have this part and this part and this part you're gonna give it to him he's gonna be like okay cool we don't have anything to talk about because you just wrote everything down on a piece of paper and here you go handed it in Mm-hmm. You know, it's the difference between being, being, um, being able to, and, and when you get older, you'll, you'll recognize it, right? You know, it's, it's a difference between being able to present things off the cuff. You asked me to come on a podcast without any kind of, you know, I didn't send you an outline. No, not at all. <laughs> right. Because that would wreck the 100%. natural organic the, the, flow of exactly. You know, and and we that's go where what we you go. want. That's what you want to be a good presenter is to be able to go ahead and just come off the cuff you know and put thoughts together on things so at the end of the day you better get a higher grade than everybody else who did not adhere <laughs> to the task 100 percent agree <laughs> because you did the exercise as it was as it was outlined and i didn't realize it was so different until i could i could see the desire to not to to, to trap do that power death by powerpoint trap right right i could see i i then realized what this thing was for like you just explained it's pulling you out of that familiar space it's like i'm comfortable here let me be comfortable why are you making me be uncomfortable and think for myself like he's so good he was already he's so used to preparing like index cards and you know bullet points that can trigger him so he's basically practiced presenting like that for a long time it was just getting used to not having that uh, safety. It's a, a comfort, safety comfort net, zone. Yep. Safety exactly net slide. It. It's, a, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> but I, I think you did really awesome. I've told him a bunch. He still, we'll see what the grade is. He's not happy about it yet. But you better have a higher grade. If I don't. If you don't, if you I don't, will, let's see. What's the? I will uh, go in as a show of force <laughs> with you to this school. Yeah, we're gonna go in. <laughs> we're gonna take Robert's Raptor and we're gonna park it inside the office. We'll crash the front of the office. We'll smash those stairs. We'll get on and be like, what's up? What's up? Come at me, bro. <laughs> this is on a podcast now, so there's a proof of this. That was preemptive and pre-planned, premeditated. Yeah, yeah. It, let's, it, uh, it, let's edit that part out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll park super we'll close. We'll park super close. <laughs> and we'll walk up calmly. <laughs> and, 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 and ask the teacher why Diego got a lower grade than everybody else. Yeah, fair. <laughs> all right so i've i've been apparently 
probably making and filling up gaps and details of your racing experience. Okay. I'd love to just tell me and us, uh, what cars did you race? Where were you? How long? Where was this happening? All I know is it was for you drove Volkswagens. Yeah. Rally so, racing. So no. So um, on track. Both. So there's a couple of things, right? Um, growing up, we. So my stepfather uh, was a mechanic. Are we okay on time? We're good. We're okay. Good. Just watch, looking at your eyeballs. Yeah. So my stepfather was a was a mechanic, right? Okay. And so we were raised in a in a garage, basically. Uh, with tools you know what i mean and you know being a guy being a kid you know you see large equipment or heavy machinery and tools and you want to start you know the square peg round hole right this thing fits the socket fits this size and you want to see hey can i guess that size mm-hmm. you know and 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 you start taking things apart and so i grew up with four wheelers and and uh and things like that in the house and my stepfather he's a bit of a he's not he wasn't the nicest guy and I say that he was, he was, he was harsh. You know what I mean? Um, he was, was like, cruel. He was, he was, he was a kid, you know what I mean? He was 24, gotcha. um, you know, and he had myself and my stepbrother. And at the time we were both, you know, I guess four or five years old. Right. And so he has two four-year-olds, two four-year-old boys that he's not going to take it easy on. And so I don't know. If, have you ever seen the slot cars, Diego, where you have like two cars racing and you just pull a trigger, you know what I mean? And it's got one speed, and they go around in circles, and they keep going racing in circles. Yeah, I don't know if we have one of those. The old Hot Wheel well, tracks. You uh, hold it. No, I think I know what they are. Yeah. Okay. So if you understand uh, electricity and, me- and mechanics, um, the way that worked is there was no speed control. It was just on or off. And two cars would share the electricity going through this track. And so if you hold them down, they would just go in circle at the same speed. And one might go a little faster than the other and you would win, right? But if you let off the trigger on one of them, then all the electricity goes to the one car and that car goes twice as fast, which it means it probably doesn't stay on the track, <laughs> right? And so as kids, we're four or five years old, we would race all the time with our with my stepfather. And I just call him dad now. So we're racing with my dad. And anytime we would come near a corner, he would let off the trigger so our car would fly off the track and then his would just keep going in circles because he, he, he knew how to modulate, right? So, of course, we'd put our car back on the track and then, of course, the next turn, we'd try to let off the trigger, but he would anticipate that because he's, you know, an adult. And, you know, he, so anyway, short, you know, short of that, he would always win. So, he never let us win growing up and we'd go race go-karts, you know, at, at the regular go-kart tracks and even though they weren't uh full go-karts or racing or shifter carts or anything like that mm-hmm. he would still beat us all the time and it's because he understood how to take corners and how to carry speed through corners um you know all of us would just hold the pedal down just as, as a boss, exactly right <laughs> and even though he was a bigger guy you know he's 200 205 pounds whatever the case was you know we should be able to win because in go-karts you know it's weight is a huge huge uh restriction a huge a huge uh I can't think of the word right now. Like a factor. Uh, factor, or- thank you. A huge factor, whatever, on speed. Because those engines are, you know, a few horsepower. And so a 30-pound kid versus a 200-pound man, you know, the 30-pound kid should win all day long, right? So anyway, 
he would never let us win. We started doing that. So I understood growing up how to actually take turns and and uh, and modulate throttle and, and car control. And we all learned how to drive when we were 11 years old. So you know, we learned how to drive five-speed manual. You know, I used to have that, that 78 Toyota Corolla that oh, I had yeah. in high school. That was my <laughs> sister's car seven years earlier. You know what I mean? So we grew up driving that car. And when I joined the military uh, at this point, I was already you know trying to be a car guy. And when you're in the military, you don't make a lot of money initially, uh, especially back in the late 90s. I think my first paycheck was like 250 bucks for two weeks of work in the military, right? And that's that's a Honda Civic payment right there. You don't want to use your entire Ouch, paycheck yeah. for a car, right? Um, so it wasn't until my first deployment. So I went to Kuwait, the country of Kuwait and Saudi Arabia um, right after September 11th. And when you're in the military and things are, um, quote, hostile, if you're in a hostile area, your pay is tax-free, which means the entire month is tax-free. You're making more money than you normally would. Mm-hmm. And so uh, <clears throat> we all re-enlisted in the desert. And when you re-enlist, meaning I've done my, my three or four years and I wanted to go for another four years, so I signed another contract. So you at, were you at the tail end of four years? I was uh, at my three-year mark exactly. Um, but I was able to make the decision at your three-year mark to, to keep going. And the reason we did it in the desert, since it was tax-free, is because the Air Force, this is before Y2K. and so That's, Air, that's called the year 2000. Year 2000. Um, <laughs> and, Google, and, Google and, that and, later. Yeah, I would say, we'll, we'll talk about that if you need to. <laughs> um, but the Air Force needed computer programmers because okay. they were so scared of, of, Y2K. Of, of Y2K because what was going to happen, right? Yeah. And so they wanted to keep us, so they gave us sixty thousand dollar bonuses, sign on bonus, sixty thousand to reenlist. Oh, okay, sixty thousand dollar reenlistment bonus. That's a lot of money, especially on top of it being tax free. On top of being tax free, because otherwise, if you reenlist, it's only worth forty grand because they tax it thirty three percent. So, what's the worst thing you can do is give a twenty one year old kid sixty grand and expect him to invest it wisely. <laughs> And so started buying cars and I bought, you know, twin turbo Nissans and I bought uh, my first Volkswagen GTI back in 2002. And I started meeting community of people that, that were racing. And, and at the time it was all drag racing um, right outside the, the air force base in Alabama where I was stationed. It was just, there was a drag strip like two miles down the road. And every Friday night was test in tune. So it means you could pay $10 and you could just hot lap your car as many times as, as you wanted times. to on Friday night. Right? How would you would you like that? Every Friday, just race as long as you want for ten bucks. It's great. <laughs> and 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 and, and, and uh, if you break your car, then you break your car. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you fix it. You, you again, being a mechanic, you can go on base and turn wrenches and buy parts. And so you start meeting people that have again a different, excuse me, a different background. People that race professionally, people that their parents race, um, and then there's also people that want to learn how to do, um, how to be better drivers, right? And a friend of mine, Mike, Mike Wetzel, um, Mike's probably the best driver I've ever seen, and it's because Mike cared about the the art of driving, mm-hmm. right? He wanted to learn pedal control. He wanted to learn how to take turns and hit apex properly. 
And he realized, which what I which I didn't early on. I thought if you wanted a fast car, you needed to have a lot of power. And Mike was like, "No, you need to know how to push your current car, whatever that car is, to its limit." Same thing as a go kart, right? Go kart's got a few horsepower, but you can, you know, if you learn how to to carry speed and how to turn properly, then you're going to do that stuff. You know what I mean? And it's going to be make you a better driver, and then you can upgrade to a, a higher horsepower car, right? Um, so Mike was a fantastic driver and he used to live downstairs from me in the dorms. And we, he and I were on the same sleep schedule and the fact that we just didn't really sleep that much. And so I could walk out of my patio at, at 2 a.m. and I could look downstairs and Mike would be on his patio smoking a cigarette. And he'd say, hey, you wanna go for a drive? Sure. So we'd hop in a car, you know, at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday night you know, or hop in our cars, you know, each car mm-hmm. and, uh, and go and just drive around, you know, the, the lake roads of Alabama, which is probably, again, not a good idea at 2 a.m., right? There's deer and oh, stuff yeah. everywhere and that kind of thing, right? But, you know, Mike would sit in the passenger seat and say, you know, if you're in a corner, don't hit the brake. You know what I mean? Because if you do that, the car is going to, you're going to upset the handling of the car and you're going to lose control. You're going to spin it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other day I was hammering my cousin's Miata. Yeah. And uh, it was a pretty sharp turn. I know it's a little town, but I was like, oh, this is a be a fun turn. But I just went way faster into it than I ever have because right. I'm in his Miata. Of course. And we're just, you know, let's do 70 everywhere in these little <laughs> neighborhoods. He's like, it can take it. Uh, he's like, but hold it tight. Right? Right. He's like, it'll make it. Just hang tight. But I got nervous hitting that speed at that corner. Right. Just barely touched the brake. I almost like I almost did a three sixty and ate it into the river, which was just beyond a little tiny rock barricade. He's like, "What's your pro? Don't hit the brakes in a turn." Right. I was like, "Why well, didn't I never had this coaching, man?" Exactly. It was a very fast turn for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you know, I, was I was like just... coming down. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, but it was, it was late at night and we were cool. But that, yeah, exactly what he said. You, it could have totally held on and hung that speed and that turn because yep. it wasn't a like sharp turn. It could have totally held, but I wasn't familiar with the techniques. Right, and and, and so you know, progression wise, there are what they call driver safety events, or driver's edge was the, the people that used to run it, mm-hmm. and um, you could take whatever car you have. So if you have a Honda Civic. And or an Integra, or and I'm talking those cars because this was back in the day, right? Yeah, what are those um, dinosaurs? I know, right? <laughs> Man, um, you know, GTIs, uh, Miatas, and Miatas are huge. So there's a huge group for them right now, mm-hmm. of course, because Miatas are one of the best handling cars because they're very small. the The weight ratio, front and rear, is is uh, very good handling, mm-hmm. and they're rear wheel drive, and they're underpowered, so you can really slide the car around. But these driver edge events, you pay a, a flat amount and they'll let you go to a road course, which is a closed environment. And so you get to turn left and right and you get to learn your car at its limits. And if you fall off the track, you hit a tire wall. You know what I mean? Or you you spin out. And if you get scuff on the car, who cares? Right? Right. And you have an instructor in your passenger seat. You're wearing safety gear, helmets, that kind of thing. And you're just learning how to drive what you have to its limit. Mm-hmm. Right? And then they progress you throughout the weekend. Everybody has an instructor with them. 
at the very beginning. And then as you get better and they notice that you're able to control your car, they'll let you go into a different class. And then at the end of Sunday, if you're doing really well, you can drive by yourself, right? And then you have that designation for yourself the next time you go out. Hey, I already know how to do this, guys. You know what I mean? Is this the same car you had last week? Yep. All right, cool. Have at it. So you can race on the weekend by yourself. And the way they get around the insurance on that, because these are people's regular daily driver cars, mm-hmm. is they don't keep time. They don't keep an official time. If you keep an official time, it becomes a race. Really? That's the, yep. the only thing? Yeah. And, and if you have an official time and something happens to your car, like you wreck it, um, then the insurance company could deny paying you because you were racing your car. So since this is a, c- a controlled environment mm-hmm. and it's a, a learning, it's like a driver's ed course, driver's safety course, mm-hmm. um, you know, the insurance company is usually okay with it. Gotcha. And so we used to do events like that. You can volunteer to work at those events as a track worker, you know, as a corner worker with flags. Something, ha- you know, somebody goes off track, you put a flag out, everybody slows down. The, the wreck gets clear. Yeah, you know what? There might be stuff because we're we were gonna start doing some research. You know, because when he becomes of age to start working and volunteering places, I'm like, you don't need to do what we did growing up. Like, there's got to be racing related. Yes, there's San tons Marcus. of San Marcus related places. I'll send you a link. There's a um, a track in San Marcos that is a uh, I'm not gonna say a Miata track, but it is a track that most of the Miata guys go to. Okay, it's a private track, and they're always looking for volunteers. There you go. You know what I mean? So you can start learning from those people, getting used to being around it. Yeah. And and the good thing about it is a lot of those guys, you know, as long as you got a helmet, they'll let you ride in the car with them. You know? Um, I think there's an age limit. I think you do have to be a teenager. Might be 13 to do it. But you learn a lot by sitting in the passenger seat of someone who is good at taking turns. You can feel the car rotate. You can feel the car um, being upset. You know what I mean? As in, like your dad said, you know, going left and right, trying to to counter steer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So you get comfortable with with uh, the way the car moves. You know, and you know, it's like one of those things. I don't care what kind of car you drive. If you drive that car daily, and then something changes on it, you know, you know, right? You're, See, that's you're, why. That's why I got to keep my car. <laughs> that's why I got to keep this beautiful your, your left tire right? your yeah, left tire's rear I know it I feel it you can feel like you feel a problem in your own body yeah you know it's that you become so in tune with whatever that car is the second you know you know you just know like oh this is off yeah 100% so like I said you know so anyway fast forward uh, I just started doing events like that hanging out with friends and then you know sometimes you get to go to you know, different courses and, and you travel in Alabama and Georgia and Florida and, and you find little places. And now as an adult, you know, if you have the means, then you take your, your car out there, whatever, when you get a new car, you're like, Hey, I want to see what this car does on this Mm -hmm. road course. And so you're able to go ahead and and register for the event for the weekend and go flog it around. And, and, you know, as you get older, the cars get a little more expensive. So you're like, you know what? I don't necessarily want to go take my car to this track. Because if I put it in a tire wall, I'd be upset. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You're um, not going to put your GTR on track day? No, no. The GTR is, it's, 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 a uh, you know, and the good thing about the GTR, I say that, but it's a, it's an old 1991 car. There's no driver's aids, as in there's no trash control, you know. That's What's trash control? Trash control, you know, is, is, uh, 
these days a computer that if it feels your your tire slipping, it tries to correct it based on what it thinks it should do, mm-hmm. right? And as a racer or as a, a, a enthusiastic driver or enthusiast, traction control can be bad because you know how the car is going to handle, and you're trying to turn sideways or drift or do something, and then traction control steps in and tries to get the car going back straight again. And that can be bad if you're expecting the car to keep turning and automatically turn straight, right? Um, so the GTR is a good driver's car because it doesn't have any of those aids at all. And you know, most people who are car guys, as soon as they get in the car, they turn traction control completely off because you're feeling that you're the traction control. You know what I mean? You're gotcha. trying to tell the car, no, no car. You know, I is know that how. just a straight computer modification? Yeah, I mean, it's a button most of the time. I mean, oh know, really? Yeah, I mean, you have it in in the Altima, and you have it probably in the uh, in the Mazda really? out there. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. It'll be a little icon with a a little uh, S curve, whatever, like a road, and then a uh, the car. Gotcha. So okay. You can turn traction control. It called it's called TC or TSC, mm-hmm. um, or, or yeah, or ECS, depending on what kind of car you have. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, like I said, there's all different kind of programs out there. And uh, these days, you know, you get a little older and, and I have just as much fun going to Andretti Speed Lab and beating everyone on the track there versus, you know, spending $500 or $1,000 on a weekend to go possibly break my own car, yeah. which is going to cost more. So it's kind of, you know, kind of checks that box for me, whatever. If people want to go karting, you know, now the carts are electric, you know, so they're instant power mm-hmm. and they're fun. You know what I mean? But you feel good as, and probably like my dad did, you feel good as an old man or older man now beating the nine-year-old kid on the track who's been karting for, <laughs> you know, for 12 years. I'm like, hey, how is that possible? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how you've been driving this long and you're not even this old yet. You know what I mean? So there's these guys out there and and you'll get the same way, Diego. If it's something you want to do, you'll, you'll get a lot better into where you're going to start beating your dad. And then Never. there's going to be that day. There's going to be that day where it happens. And he's gonna he's gonna be conflicted. He's gonna be proud of you that it happened, and he's gonna be angry at the same time. That <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't even want to drive. Yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to drive. I wasn't even really yeah, racing. I, even, I was I, I was uh, paying attention to yeah. make sure you were safe. I'm yeah. just here to fix the go kart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's my experience with with most of that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, racing's fun. It's something. That everybody thinks, oh, you know, you're trying to race from stoplight to stoplight. I don't care enough to race stoplight to stoplight anymore. Yeah. You know, um, as a 21-year-old kid, yeah, you do things like that. Um, do I accelerate faster than some people have time now? Yes, I do. Um, you know, you can ask the girlfriend all the time. You know, like, oh, yeah, you know, spirited driving. You know what I mean? If there's, if I'm on a back road somewhere, that's that's outlet for me. Let's put the car in sport mode and put the mm-hmm. exhaust in sport mode and just, you know, make noise and turn the radio down kind of thing. Um, but these days I don't really, you know, I don't get into it too much. So that's why when you told me that you were thinking about getting Diego into karting, um, you know, I don't have any kids. You know I mean? If I had a kid, I would love to, to raise them, help them in karting because it's a life skill. Like I said, it teaches you car control. It teaches you how to be a better driver when you turn 16. Yeah. You know? Um, that's just safety training. Yeah. For real. It's, it's offensive driving, right? When I took driver's ed as a 16 year old, I was already driving for two years. Yeah. These other kids, they literally just got in a car. It was the scariest 
thing ever to get in a car with another kid my age who has never driven a car. And they're literally learning this week how to learn to drive. I'm like, this, should we be getting, doing this right now? And then um, I would tell the instructor, are you, should you guys ride and I'll wait for the next <laughs> car? Like I can wait for you to come back to do my part. I was super, because they would slam on the brakes is the common thing or, you know, hit the gas. And uh, it's a foreign concept to them. And I was terrified of these new drivers. Yeah. You'll be far <laughs> safer in life. But when I drove, I'd been driving for two years. You know, uh, my stepdad let me drive at night. Right. Um, after my mom passed out, he'd be like, you can take the truck. I got to be at work at 6 a.m. So I need the truck back by 5 a.m. Obviously, I was going to stay out till 5. Right. But I could. Yep. He's like, if you get pulled over, you go to jail because I'm going to say that you stole my truck. Period. <laughs> Follow all the rules and you won't go to jail and it's all cool. That was the most incredible way to make sure I minded all of the legal rules. Yeah. The traffic rules. I stopped completely at stop signs. Unorthodoxed. It, totally unorthodox. But I never broke any speeding laws because he, he was for real. He would have let me go to jail. Oh, of course. He's like, my stuff follows the same so way. He's like, it's cool. He's like, but I'll let you drive. You'll learn. So when I got to driver's ed and I started driving, this is how good I was at driving. First, I was excited that it was daytime because I was only <laughs> driving at night. I drove in the worst possible situation <laughs> as learning, you know, to learn. I was like, oh, this is so much easier in the daytime, man. Right. And uh, the instructor would literally unbuckle himself. Now, think about it, this is driver's ed. Right? Right. Where we need to, you're supposed to lead by example, follow every rule to the T. Yep. Basic safety is buckle your seatbelt. But because he was so sick of getting like choked by the other kids' terrible driving, <laughs> right? When I drove, he's just unbuckled and be like, left, right, highway, come back. <sighs> you just relax. I'm like, nice. I got this. I got this. Like, this is like, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm a little. I mean, I wasn't a performance driver. I, well, I wasn't in high school either. Just, I could, I'm still not a performance I could, driver. I could just drive. And uh, you are not going to be learning the day you go to driver's ed. Because that's just, I don't know how these parents were like cool with that. Because that kid's going to totally crash. It's the onus, right? They, 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 they don't want their kid, they, they expect driver's ed to teach the kid everything they need from scratch. In like four right? days. And that's, exactly, right? And, and, and that's the wrong way to do it. Um, we grew up to where, you know, you're, like you said, your dad would give you the keys, you know, or in my case, my parents would give us, you know, my dad would give us the keys when we go out to the lake, you mm -hmm. know, the lake roads. He's like, Hey, you know, you drive out here at Pace Ben or Pellface, you know what I mean? So I can drink beer in the passenger seat. Yeah. You know what I mean? and, and, <laughs> yeah this is stellar <laughs> parenting. Right exactly. Here. And I was so mean? tiny. I don't know what car I had. He had a Ford F-150 full size. Oh yeah. So guess how I drove. <laughs> this is a, this is a truck as big as Robert's Raptor. I'm this size. I'm still the same midget size. <laughs> I let, I had to get a pillow to sit on. Yep. And a pillow behind me. <laughs> I was like a little grandma. I had a big pillow to sit on and I had to scoot that thing all the way up so that I could drive this truck. That's like, funny. And then later I imagine how tiny I must have appeared yep. in that truck. <laughs> but it was nighttime. But it was nighttime. Nobody knew. So was, nobody cared. Night. You yeah. probably looked like a little old man. Just a little tiny guy. Yeah. You know, that's funny. But yeah, I would grab my two pillows so that I could go. 
drive this truck. <laughs> but you learned. I did learn. Oh, well, that worked. Like I said, un- unorthodox. Yeah. And there was a lot of unorthodox parents or parenting <laughs> back then. Um, but I guess we turned out okay. Uh, Ish. Uh, debatable. Yeah. We're still here. That's that is- that's the that's the litmus test, right? <laughs> uh, obviously, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. We turned out decently okay. And like you said, still here. So anyway. All right, Diego, do you have any last question before I let you roll out? Mm. Are you cool? Mm, cool. You're cool? Okay. Sure. Cool. Going once, going twice. All right. As, as soon as you walk out that door, you're going to think of everything you should have <laughs> asked like, oh, me. Yes. Hey, I will come back whenever you want. So thank hey, you babe. for having me. Thank you. You going to dip out? Yeah. Okay, we're going to lease them. Yeah. Good job, kid. Thanks, Diego. We'll see you later. There he goes. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're doing fantastic. Like I said, I, I've listened to the podcast many a time. Oh, thank you. And and uh, that guy right there is going to do just fine in life. You know what I mean? He's got the chops. He's got the the social interaction. I can imagine what your daily life is with him. You know, just I'm sure you got to rein him in like any kid. But, but yeah. you know seeing him him bloom or 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 you know becoming a, a young man you're you're doing a damn fine job so That's like i said cool. well he's he's a lot cooler than me so i'm gonna be <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll be learning just as much from him good i mean that's yeah. i think that's what parenting uh you know I, grass is greener kind of thing right i mean I, like i told you earlier i you know, i i know that if i did have a kid you know i would hope that sense of humor and social uh, interactions and social skills would rub off kind of thing right driving the things that I'm enthusiastic about right would hopefully rub off, but maybe not. You know what I mean? Maybe I maybe I raised a kid that was the complete opposite of myself and the things that I wanted to, you know, he just wants to sit and play with dolls all day long, whatever, and, and or might, sorry, action figures, I guess. You know what I mean? Depends on what's up, you know. Yeah, you you never know. <laughs> the thing is I realize I'm realizing as time goes on is, you know, they're gonna have. They're gonna be interested in different stuff. Absolutely. Period. Foster, but foster it. So you just share what you're into. Yeah. While they're around, right? Yep. That's what. That's what I. You know, I'm sharing what I'm into because that's what I'm into. And then once he's like, okay, well, I would rather do this. Then it's <clears> kind of, well, yeah, you want to let them explore those right. those paths, right? And you're always trying to associate one thing to what you are familiar with right. so that you can you can be the expert you can cognitively connect yep. the steps but it's just i mean every day as a parent is <laughs> literally if you can see the spikes of the height of pure happiness and peace right momentarily followed by just irate <laughs> frustration <laughs> And then as quickly back to the highs and lows. Um, it's in a day it could peak top and bottom, and right. you 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 can't follow. Just in general, you you're not supposed to follow your emotions where they lead Fair, you, yeah. like a leash. You can't let them pull you Snap like a leash, judgment, right? Just quickly. If you do that with any just familiar activity, that's just the wrong pattern way. for stress, yeah. just permanent stress, right? So it's it's totally a training in not letting those emotions yank you they do sometimes obviously um but trying to base sort of be in the middle yeah you know where 
you know, we have those feelings where like, oh my God, so beautiful, especially my daughter, like she's so sweet and so cute. Like it's like, oh, I could cry right now. And then you don't just, ah, just want to ah, ring the neck. <laughs> oh my God, how's this possible? And you're like, oh my God, but she's, yeah. Dude, you can't, like, it'll drive you crazy. I imagine. This is why ask anybody, like, hey, what's up with your parents? They'll be like, oh, they're crazy, man. I'm yeah. telling this you, know, this is how right. it happens. No, I'm you're, telling you, you're, do, you're probably right. You do that for 20 years and not come out crazy. That's pretty good, man. Like you, you be challenged with the highs and lows that typically take 10 years and compress them into every day, right? Yeah, and the no, older right. they get, the the peaks go higher and lower because you're more happy for them, and then you're more pissed off, so, and then you're more like. Now I don't know about you. Oh no, no, you're right. I, mean, I don't know about you. I'm mean, so. For me, um, I think it took me. It took me probably until I was 20, 27, 28 ish. Uh, before I ha- I started to realize I matured enough to realize I wasn't a bad kid, mm-hmm. but maybe the things you asked for, you know, were a little out of the reach of your 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 mother or your father at the time. You know what I mean? But you you were I want this Optimus Prime. I want this. You know, <laughs> I want this. This. I want this kind of thing. Right? Uh, I want the new. You know, the uh, the new Schwinn. You know what I mean? Or I want a BMX bike with pegs. You know, this one doesn't have a pegs. Why doesn't this one have pegs? You know what I mean? Um, not realizing that that's maybe all I could afford at the time, right? It took yep. me until I was older. And, and I went back and I apologized. I, st- I still apologize to my mom all the time, even though she doesn't care. I mean, my mom did a fantastic job with what she had, but I didn't have the social intelligence at the time to realize what she was sacrificing. Yeah, I don't think, any, I don't think any of us do. None of us do, later. right? And so, you know... I, I don't know if it if it helps. I hope it does, right? My mom's probably like, you know, just like you and I would be. I don't need an apology, right? But hopefully it makes her feel a little better. I'm sure you know, it does. That, that, you know, that I recognize this now, yeah. right? So I don't know. Like I said, you know, of course, kids now, I mean, if you want to go buy something, you know, go buy them something. You know, you've done well for yourself, you know what I mean? And you're still going to rein them in and say, no, you can't go have this new, you know, thing because I'm not spending you know, four hundred dollars on this pair of shoes for you. Yeah, oh, it's, you it's great. I mean? the, and we, <laughs> me and Melissa are talking like, I kind of like that there's no cap on capability. Yeah, from their mindset, mm-hmm. I like that that's possible. Right to have versus reality, which is like no, you like that's not possible. But I like that they can see they're still on that stage, like you said, where it's like. Oh, hey, I'm gonna go get these shoes, and they're whatever. Right, five, four times what I would pay for shoes. I'm like, it's a problem. It's just that price. Yeah, yep. we can get those. Look, it's just that. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Well, who do you think I am? Yeah, but at the same time, like, I can't do this. What? what? Hey, hey, wait a minute. Why? Yeah, why could that not be possible? Yeah, to be like, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. And it's it's the perpetuation. It's a right? really different mindset shift to, like uh, you know, if for if for others that is possible to be like, oh yeah, that's that's fine. You know, you're choosing for, like, to be in a amazingly fortunate position to say, right. this whatever, I'm choosing on quality or I'm choosing on traits. That's I'm choosing thing. on, like, facts of what it is versus just the number. Mm-hmm. That's just vastly different point of view for everything. Um, 
like an actual value or use case versus just hey, I just need the one that fits this. It checks this box. Constraint. Yep. Checks this box. You know. Right. Um, no, I get it completely. You know. So um, yeah, like you know, that's my my take on on how I was as a kid, kind of thing. So anyway, I'm sure you had other questions you wanted to ask me or, or things you wanted to talk about. Uh, um, you know. Just you and I, kind of thing. But yeah, I was. Uh, if you're cool with it, I don't know course. what you what you can share, but. Um, when we caught up mid-pandemic, mm-hmm. right out on that hot porch, I appreciate you. We were sweating, sweating bullets outside, and, and drinking hot coffee, and drinking hot coffee. And man, I was so happy to just be outside and be with another person and be with another man hanging out. It didn't matter if it was even another twenty degrees. So happy <laughs> to just like I didn't realize that. You missed I'm, it. I'm out of connection that just was a gap. Yeah. You know? And it's weird. Being shut down made me be more outgoing. Okay. Um, maybe it was for other people too. Yeah, I imagine. But it's like, oh, I want to gravitate towards like a more meaningful connection versus a surface level like walk by. Yeah. And, and that one stood out because like I appreciated like, hey, man, we had like some life just happened. Yeah. And we just found each other. And it's like, oh, absolutely. Oh, dude, what happened the last 20 years? That's exactly that it. That's right? like, what? <laughs> like, it's, it's a huge chunk while you're literally and, in in war situations and in that amount that you were willing to sacrifice, willing to do. And I do try and associate because you're the closest, you know, one I have that has experienced those type of situations right. and you're back in whatever this version of reality is. Yeah. Contrasting with that reality, I guess what, you know, what's that like? So, you know, actually, I, and, and also like how you did what, seven or eight deployments? 11. 11. 11. Yeah. And and so it's different in the Air Force because there's some things you don't call deployments, right? And I'll, and I'll explain that in a second. But when you're, when I was 18 years old and joined the military, I wasn't expecting this to be a 20 year thing. I was going to go for four years and then make a decision on what was next because you know a lot of people they say i don't want to go to college which is you know what you and i said right mm-hmm. and but then of course i joined the military to get money for college because i expected to go to college after the military and in my mind you know at an 18 year old that's the way to do it right but in my mind now that's the wrong way about going about things because now you're going to be 22 years old start your college career and it might work for some people if they don't have the means to go to college then. But I think by the time I was 18, and in your case, 19, right? The majority of people that joined the military, um, and this comes from my experience as a recruiter for the Air Force, they're, you know, 19 to 22 years old, right? They have, they listen to what their parents say and they go to college or they go to a trade school or they go out on their own and some make it, some find out how hard it is, some fail completely. And they come home from that first semester and um, all of their friends are telling, oh yeah, college is great. And they're like, not my experience with it. My college sucked right now, right? (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like my professors. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. So they come to the recruiting office and join the military and go. Um, So when I was already in, you know, I was just doing my daily job. All my friends are back home. I would come home once a year and see them for their birthdays or that kind of thing, right? catch up for the year and then you'd high five them and leave and i was i would take two weeks off of work um 
you know, you get 30 days a year of vacation in the military. Mm-hmm. So I take two weeks off, you know, twice a year, once in the summer, once at Christmas, and come home for those full two weeks. I would drive from Montgomery, Alabama, all the way down to, to Austin and and come home and spend time. I, I would text everybody and say, hey, I'm in town from this day to this day. Let's sync up. Let's go bowling. Let's go, you know, grab dinner. Let's sync up. Let's go see your parents, whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you're gone and you're missing so much with your friends that you grew up with. But as time went on a little bit, second year kind of thing, you would take two weeks off of work and you'd come home and by day three, you know, your mom's looking at you and saying, you're done, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. So you, you know, hug your mom after three days and you drive back and you spend the other 10 days, 11 days, whatever, a vacation with your friends in the military, in the dorms, mm-hmm. right? Playing video games or going driving or that kind of thing, because that's your new family now. Right. Right. And it's not that you discounted your friends at home. It's just that your life experiences are different with these guys and girls because you're in the same environment. Y'all left home at an early age. And it's the same thing like dorm life you would be when you're in college. You know what I mean? You're you're in a, a, a group of a group of people now that have a similar lifestyle and you're understanding, you're growing up together. Right. Totally. Yeah. And so <clears throat> when I was three years in, September eleventh happened. And I was actually at home on vacation. Um, I say vacation, my mom was having surgery. So I was actually home, I woke up in the morning, September 11th happened, it was on the, on the TV, and I got recalled um, to drive back to Alabama to report back because they had to do accountability of everyone and make sure where everybody was safe, mm-hmm. right? So I drove the you know 12 hours, whatever it was, back, and uh, kind of just put my hands in the air saying like, what's going on, what are we supposed to do? Because you know, you think you're in the, you join the military, you don't think you're gonna deploy unless you, know, you join a certain branch. And, excuse me, and uh, so now I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? But then you're also thinking, it's my time, right? I joined to go to war, quote, go to war. Um, let me do my part. And when I deployed to uh, to Saudi Arabia and Kuwait uh, in December 2001, you meet all these people that had really cool jobs that have a, a part of the mission, right? It's all puzzle pieces, people that do logistics and mechanics and finance and and uh, people that jump out of airplanes for a living people that do combat people that are medics you know what i mean people that are security guards people that are cops you know and you meet all these different individuals that are different from you being a computer programmer mm-hmm. which is what you did in montgomery alabama and now you're helping people guard bases you know what i mean watching people build bases and that kind of thing making sure they're not doing anything shady and so i met with those individuals and i was like there's more to this military thing than just this windowless room writing software. And so I cross-trained to, uh, in that case, or that, at that time, to be a recruiter and uh, and help those people at my age join the military and get their their step you know, into, into life next, right? Gotcha. Um, kind of being like the older brother. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 24 years old. You'd help them out. And again, like I told Diego earlier, it's something – that's the same information your parents are telling you, but it's not coming from your parents. It's coming from a different figure. That's kind of like your older brother saying, Hey, look, I've been there. I did this five years ago. I was you. And now look at me. Right. And it's not like I was crazy successful or anything like that, but it's just like, I've been in your shoes. I know how to do this. Let's 
show you how to be a you know how to be a, a member of the military right so then when i got back to um, my career field after four years of being a recruiter um i still knew i didn't want to be a programmer but i didn't really know how to cross train out of being a programmer still so when you're a recruiter it's called being a special duty or doing a special duty but you have to return back to your original job after the four years and i was hanging out with um a senior mass sergeant at the time named chip campbell and uh we were running and we were running uh our, our normal pt in the morning and uh he's like rob he's like you know uh i don't really see you as a programmer you know and You're i was like me either man get yeah, me out of here i was here. like yeah exactly <laughs> i was like can you help me with that you know and he's like yeah let's make you an operator nice. and so he cross-trained me on paper and uh, didn't make me go to school or anything but he said hey look you have six months to learn your job. Don't disappoint me. Just like that. Just like that. And and, uh, and that goes to show that and you obviously had been running with him for a while then. Yeah. So to build that rapport to. Well, you know, so it's a funny thing is, is his, uh, you know, and this is a stereotype thing, but he's like, you know, I was like, what, what made you say that? He said, well, we're running. He's like, computer programmers don't run. You know, they don't exercise. They're sitting in their dorm room playing video games kind of thing, right? And that's a large, you know, stereotype, of course, but right. um, he's not wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, and so uh, so I, be I became an operator at the time, computer operator. And then I started deploying a lot in support of missions. And, I, you know, I went to um, Afghanistan a few times. I went to Iraq, um, Saudi Arabia again, Kuwait, Oman, um, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, you know, all these different places, Horn of Africa, that kind of thing. And when you do these things as a communications person, you now broad spectrum communications person, you are supporting the warfighter, right? You are making sure they have communications open or do their job, whether that's special forces guys, whether that's, um, you know, people that are doing finance that need to report back to their bases or, you know, whatever it is, there's a big, big group of there's a small base in the middle of nowhere and you're part of that base you're part of that infrastructure right um but then as you get more and more involved in that stuff you kind of kind of hone in your skills in certain certain areas and you get attached to certain units like combat units mm -hmm. and now you're a communications guy for a, com a combat unit which means when the special forces guys leave you're, you're their, their point of you're, contact you're their guy so you go with them you know what I mean? And so you get to do the, you know, the, the hoorah things, whatever, you know, the things that people think are necessarily pretty stupid. So you'd be yeah. with a unit of how many people? Uh, so usually you would deploy, you know, sometimes it's a four man team. Sometimes it's, it's seven man team because you're there for a specific objective. Right. And sometimes you deploy, you know, as an entire unit, as a entire squadron. So you got, you know, a hundred people that are going because it's your turn in the rotation to go for six months. And so they uproot the entire squadron to go to the desert and set up the base there or maintain the base communications, you know, satellites, um, you know, infrastructure, routers, switches, servers, laptops. So you'd be doing that. You could also. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then if you're going to, if a, a team has to go out and do a, a mission or on convoy or whatever, then you basically hop in the truck with them and you're their guy that has, has a, they call them flyaway kits but it's basically a little small satellite about the size of that laptop and you point it in the direction of you know the satellite you have to find the azimuth and find out the direction of the satellite 
you set it up and uh, now everybody's got communications and you can land planes and call in airstrikes and then you pack it up and you leave. So you're just, you are the, you are the point of contact back to you're You're the, the, the single point of failure uh, for those teams when it happens kind of thing. Right. And so it's, it's kind of nerve wracking because now you're on certain timelines. I mean, and it's a, when I say it's a deadline, it's a deadline. You know what I mean? People, so you're maintaining the communication, not only back to base, but even between each individual as well. So, so if your team is out, you're the communications guy back to the base, gotcha. right? Um, you can communicate back to the base or relay things back to the base, or you can sit there, whatever, and be the communications guy setting up the guy for the, for the airstrikes and they blow things up or call an airstrike and you pack it up and, and you're out. So would right? you be, how, like, would they give you time to get out of range or would it be? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you get close enough, confir- yeah. confirm, then. Yep. So I mean, about exactly you're planning. Right, you have missions yeah. that are planned, and you have a, a time on target, as they say, and, and uh, you know you you take care of it, and, and you, you bounce, you leave as fast as possible, and get the heck out there. Or maybe sometimes you're just doing you know reconnaissance, and you're just there to to help these guys take pictures and and uh, relay the things back real time to the Air Force Base, you know. Um, so, you know, I can't say that all eleven deployments um, were sketchy. Right, I'd be completely lying. Some of them are nice. You're in the middle of Qatar, and you're there for a year. And I wouldn't say it's it's a, you know Qatar is not a quote war zone. But when people think Middle East, mm-hmm. you know, being as individuals our age, when you think Middle East, you're thinking Gulf War. You're thinking that entire country, that entire part of the country and the part of the world is just all war stricken. And, and a lot of it is, but a lot of it's westernized also. There's a lot of money from oil. There's a lot of big cities that are really nice. And I mean, think about it, UAE. You know, huge tourist place, right? But it's hot. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's hot. just actually hot. It's just hot, you know? <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, it's just people's misconception of not knowing. Yeah. Right? They've never been over there and that kind of thing. Uh, but when you're in places like Afghanistan, people don't look for for Groupons, uh, you know, for the, exactly, an all-inclusive yeah. resort. So have you been back as a civilian? No. Would you go back? Absolutely. Um, so when I retired, uh, you know, it was a difficult transition for me after doing something high speed for 20 years, impactful for 20 years, and then all of a sudden it's over with. That's right. That's when I saw you. I, I equated it to that scene in Hurt Locker where yeah. he's in the grocery store and he's he was like two days back from there was from a journey was it that intense for me uh, you know at times um you know i was married at the time and and uh you know my wife she she understood you know my my uh my headspace mm-hmm. right she knew it was going to be a difficult transition for me um and it was a difficult transition cuz i'm no longer married you know what i mean like it played a lot of impact on on a lot of things um it was a factor Mm-hmm. Right. It took me a while. And and when I got divorced and my quote support system kind of fell apart, I took a job back in Iraq um, because that's what I'm used that's to. What you knew. And I was like, I can go back to the desert, turn everything off for, you know, a year and just focus on the job, keep my mind busy. Um, and I had a good friend named Tucker, uh, Curtis Tucker. Um, I call him Mother Mother Tucker. And, uh, <laughs> as you would, yeah, as, as I would, right? And he's a retired Air Force cat as well. And uh, I love that guy to death. But you know, he said, you know, Rob, I know the money is is good, and I know that 
I'm not gonna say I'm money driven, but I was looking to to build my bank account back up after you know being divorced. I lost everything, you know, just, everything was gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "How many times have you been to the desert total?" And I said, "Eleven, eleven times." He's like, "No, no. How many years? Like, how long have you been in the desert?" You know. So I went through adding up all the time I'd spent the desert out of my 20 years, mm-hmm. and I'd spent almost seven. It was like six and a half years in the desert. You know, between various deployments and whatnot. It's crazy for me to think of that. Wow. Because you don't ever put things together. You just. You're just moving on. Yeah. You say, hey, look, three months, you come home, whatever, and you leave again, you know, or you're home for, you know, a couple of weeks and you leave again, you know? And, uh, you know, Tucker was like, you've already done this so many times. Don't do it anymore. He's like, your mental health is not, not going to survive you coming back. He's like, that's not worth it. You can find money here in the States. Go find yourself a job. You know, and at this point, you know, I was, I wouldn't say I was homeless pretty much, but, you know, I was just staying at my parents' house, you know, at the time or, or going to visit friends and sleep on their couches because I didn't have anything. I didn't own anything except for a truck. <laughs> so it's like I had a toolbox and a truck, you know, congratulations. You know, what am I supposed to do with myself? So uh, I reached out to a friend and, uh, you know, I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, you guys have been winning contracts. Uh, for the government, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, is there anything I can help you guys with, you know, with my skill set as a, a computer guy, a communications guy? And, uh, you know, she was gracious enough to say, hey, look, you know, uh, I know it's not what you do, but we're looking for someone to do this part of the company or help with this part of the company. Uh, would you be willing to do that? And I pretty much said, if you're going to pay me or give me a paycheck, I'll roll the dice, right? Because now I have a safety net, right? I have my retirement. Right. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So I can. Uh, this is the time you weren't too worried you're like this is the time this is the time i can fail right right because it's always like what do you want to do when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up i don't know because for 20 years i did whatever the air force told me to do gotcha and now it's no longer there and there's plenty of people that make that transition a lot easier um i think mine was kind of a perfect storm between relationships and and uh you know the house and and the job and everything just kind of colliding and 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 you've been in it for how many years now doing this one for this now so i'll be in in april it'll be four years i've been retired now okay and i've been with this company now for three years so and it's great it's fantastic i've I've moved roles around a few times in the company but you know my boss is a is very understanding and she's a great mentor so she's like hey look i need you to do this and this and this and i kind of feel that i'm a a fixer kind of a jack of all trades you know i'm kind of the catch-all in the company mm-hmm. you know what i mean so if they need something done you know they kind of just say hey rob is there any way you can get this done sure i'll, I'll try you know what i mean and hopefully i do a good job at it they haven't fired me yet there you go yeah. so um so hopefully i'm not just failing up <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> moving up in the company you know what i mean <laughs> um but uh yeah it's, it's it's fun you know what i mean because now she's pushing me out of my comfort zone you know what I mean? She's not saying go to Iraq and be a communications guy. She's saying try this new thing and I think I'm better for it. Yeah. You know? nice. So it's good having the, the people around me. So you're getting pushed, which is, you know, you like to obviously be challenged. You like yeah, and, and, something to not be and, so and, gravy. And you're the same way. I mean, you didn't know it, you know what I mean? But, you know, of course, you, you know, you said, hey, you know, thanks for asking me to do that painting for you because oh, it pushed you. Yeah. That was a... Uh... That was that was the most detailed one I've done. 
by far. And, it, and it's phenomenal. And, uh, and it, it's gloriously hanging, you know, in the house now uh, on the staircase. And, and it's fantastic. Well, and I can't. I'm happy it brings, it, as long as it brings a smile to your face. This is, this is what any of my art pieces that I'm most proud of are the ones that are funny, but, but are well done. That's yeah. kind of like what I aspire to do is something that's funny and it's well done. Like the yeah. first one, you know, the Mr. T you saw, yeah, it's well done and it's funny. It's hilarious. Now you have Dave. It's well done. <laughs> and it's funny. It's like, <laughs> so people, did you really? Do people really think it's just Jesus? Yeah. So, so I mean, again, if it's like, uh, you know, people see it and they're like, oh, he just, you know, Rob's the most religious Catholic person we know, and yeah. I didn't know that about Rob. I am not religious at all whatsoever, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that, you know, it was never a, a big part of my life or my upbringing that much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but drums are. Music is is paramount to me, and uh, and I know I'm sure you saw the news uh, no. yesterday, maybe what not. Happened? So uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away, the drummer for Foo Fighters. Oh, um, and so uh, you know, huge impact to me mm-hmm. uh, because you know Foo Fighters is is one of my top three bands. You know, and and the picture I have in my house is of Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I can imagine what he's going through right now, and and and. You know, losing a best friend and a and a, and a brother as it yeah. were kind of thing, right? So uh, for me, you know, since music's such a big thing, you know, I'm trying to get out there more. I have friends in town that are musicians. I live in New Braunfels. I have friends in town that are musicians, and they're trying to push me now and say, "Hey, Rob, since you have all the equipment, you have a drum set, you're always hanging out with us anyway. Why don't you come play?" You know, and and uh, I don't consider myself a good singer. But I have no problem drumming, singing. No, I have no problem singing. I'm not a good singer. But you want me to go? Oh, sing? so you be you be singing? Uh, well, so no, I'll, I'll probably. I'm not Phil Collins. I can't play drums and sing at the same time. Okay. But I mean, you would sing versus more uh, than drum. I would love to, right? But I'm not going to lead a band, right? You want me to play drums and sing backup? I could probably do that, right? Um, last week, <laughs> last week I was at a bar um, in New Braunfels, and uh, there was a brother sister that were playing, you know, guitar and singing on stage and uh, the sister got up and left and uh, there was a tambourine sitting on the, on the chair. So I basically got up and sat on the chair and played tambourine just, with the guy just randomly. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> just, why not? You know what I mean? And that's the great thing I love about New Bronzeville's in the area is everybody's like, Hey, this guy's going to make a fool of himself, but everybody's there to have a good time. Just relax. It's a tambourine. How difficult yeah. is it? You know what I mean? Come on. The I'm a drummer. I can play drums. Tambourine. Tambourine's difficult. Sometimes, you know what I mean? It makes noise at all times by picking it up. You know what I mean? So you got to anticipate everything. But anyway, all that to say is these guys are trying to push me out of my comfort zone. Nice. And uh, and it's it's not comfortable, right? Get comfortably being uncomfortable, right? Um, and right now, I'm I need to have a talk to- with you like, Diego, look, you don't want to be death by PowerPoint. They're asking you to do to X. Yeah. You got to do X. Make them happy. Check the it's box. Check that box. And then you would suss out work out what's easier what's a better plan yeah. of attack the next time but you can't improve a process that you haven't even executed properly the Fair. first place yeah you know nope it makes perfect sense and you and i understand that now and, and like i said he's going to be crazy better for it learning public speaking now whatever and learning how to to come off the cuff mm-hmm. and, and do impromptu speeches i mean you get you'll get asked all the time hey i need you to give me a 15 minute presentation on how to bake a cake you're like, why? Like, that's the assignment. That's what I asked you to do. Okay, well, here we go. Here we go. Uh, in order to bake a cake, you need to have a plan. 
you have a recipe, you need to get your ingredients together, you know, and you start just going through the process in your head, the mental process of how to bake a cake. And you look at the clock and you're like, damn, that was 30 minutes. I talked 30 minutes about baking a cake. I've never <laughs> baked a cake before in my life, right? So yeah. those skills are are, are, are huge, uh, you know, going forward kind of thing. So uh, yeah, that's. So I guess what's the hardest aspect of what you're being pulled out of? Is it more, more in a leadership role or is it more just a different working? So I think the biggest part of, of that's uncomfortable for me is the unknown and having to write ask for help right i don't have a problem you know i don't have a problem asking for help or or saying i'm sorry that kind of thing right mm-hmm. um but my boss is good about improvement process right so for me maybe i'll go in and do something i'm not gonna say half-ass whatever but i don't know how to do it so i'll just give her a product and thinking that I've spent, you know, all this time doing it just for her to say, that's not how you do it. Like, okay, maybe, maybe I misunderstood the assignment, right? And now I got to go back and, and learn more. And, and as a, as a 40 year old man, 42 year old man, whatever else, it's difficult not knowing how to do something, right? You think that you could, you're, you know, everything already, you know, but this is something I haven't done before. And then, so it's difficult coming to terms with that sometimes saying, yeah, I don't know anything about this. How do I do it? You know what I mean? And then you just got to figure it out, you know, lace, lace your boots up, whatever, and, and go do it. And I think that's what, you know, the military teaches you is it's not always going to be easy. It's going to suck. So embrace it, lace your boots up, get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, people's lives are at stake within the military, depending on what you're doing. And and so I always laugh at people. When I say laugh and that's the wrong term, whatever else, but when people are stressed about certain things, I don't know what's going on in their life. You know, and I don't know what's going on in their, their world or what their upbringing is, but you know, some things that people stress about are, are not even close to stressing me out at all. What's where we're used to, you know, being used to the deadlines and, and the stressors that I used to have in my life. Mm-hmm. So my, my marker is moved, you know, a little higher than other people. You know what I mean? If, if, you know, if a problem presents itself, then work the problem and solve it you're like let's I'm just like, work it out yeah, i'm not we'll gonna stress it. about it right and where some people are flipping tables and freaking out and we're like dude you missed a sale at a store by 15 minutes why are you upset like why is that stressing you out why is that ruining your day because i've never experienced anything worse robert you know what i mean and that's and that's it right and like and, 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 and is, so this is for and, and to that point is somebody talking to somebody they were let's just say mad at their child for being so unbelievably torn up, screaming, and just just pure frustration, sadness, agony, right? And they're like, whatever, you dropped the damn toy, right? And I was like, it's true, but for some reason, I realized this is literally the worst thing that's ever exactly. happened to that exactly. person ever. Yeah. So they're experiencing what to them is is literally the worst thing at that time that has ever happened to them. Yeah. Be it insignificant to someone more, more experienced where you're like, oh, that's no big deal because you've already done 50,000 of those, yeah. right? But I try to remember like, oh, somebody's really tripping up. Maybe this is, maybe this really is the worst, one of the worst things ever right. for them. 
Um, but it is funny if it's something that's <laughs> like dropping a damn toy. You're like, come on, it's a toy. Like, come on, you drop SpongeBob. Can we, just like, can we go upset? back to slapping people sometimes? Hey, let's get after it. You know what like, I mean? Uh, it's a little awkward for me since I don't have kids if I'm walking around slapping people. But, uh, you, you know, know, I mean, you want to grab a, a glove and start a duel. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's fine. Let's let's get after that. You know what I mean? Let's go back to the old times and I challenge you to a duel and let's, yeah. let's do that. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm not saying it's just a different time. That's it. It's not a matter of it's being better or worse kind of thing. I know I can we can go down rabbit holes for hours on our experiences as kids versus adults and and you know these people whatever the case is, right? But it's just different. That's all it is, right? Everybody's experience is different and all we can do as individuals our age is mentor, teach or bite the pillow and and, and just hide our hand in the, head in the sand and never leave our house again. Yeah, my my OMO is just is world experience. It trumps all other learning, yeah, situations. So travel has always been a big deal. Because when I didn't couldn't figure out the college, I was like, I don't know anything. I don't want to be here. I don't know what I want to do. I'm just a big question mark right now. Right. But there's one thing that I absolutely have conviction in that has never changed ever is that I want to experience as much of this life as possible in as many forms as possible okay right so that means i've had a boatload of jobs i've lived in a ton of different places now i haven't lived internationally but traveling around you know like right. the shrimp boat you know well in sixth grade i don't think i met you in middle school yeah uh no you know you might be in high better school. check right or is it oh, no, you're you better check that's right yeah so yeah, middle so, school so so sixth grade, I was in Alaska with my uncle right. in the Air Force at Elmendorf. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how old Diego is now. That'd be like me shipping him to Alaska for a year, <laughs> right? Right. At this age, when I'm like, I'm hyper, like, I want to be involved. I want to be here. I want to see what this is like. I, on this side, as a dad, I want to see you do whatever you're doing. Right. Like, grow up, right? But I was gone, Right. And it was awesome. It was like incredible. My uncle and my aunt took well care of me and, you know, I learned to ski and like I'm watching F-15s land yep. and take off from my classroom window. This was normal to all these uh, military kids. Yep. But for me, I'm just a visitor. I'm just like a outsider. I'm an outside tourist. Right. Right. And I'm like, this is awesome, you guys. And they're like, whatever. We're I just, used to this. I don't uh, tire of it. I get annoyed I when I hear the fighter jets take off. Right. So dumb. Like, no, no. This is an air show like, daily. Like, no, man. This is a like, I can't even focus because I'm watching them land and take off. I'm yeah. like, this is so cool. It's like at an air show every yep. day. So I was psyched. So anyways, when I came back, now I'm 12. Do you think I believe Austin is a limitation for this life. Absolutely not. Never again. Yeah. Never again. So I did seventh grade, right? Yep. I asked my mom, can I go anywhere? Let me do another thing, right? right. <laughs> like, and she was willing. I don't, you know, I need to have a conversation with her. Why <laughs> she was so willing to let me voyage, right? Other than like get rid of a kid, one less yep. person to deal with. But I was like, can I go do something else? I don't know. She's like, oh, I got to and she's on a shrimp boat in Louisiana. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So then I went go, but I didn't realize I was going to have to work like a damn grown up. Yep. <laughs> like you made money. I, I used, dude, I worked like a, like a 42 year old man's job <laughs> as a 13 year old. Right. 
that's shoveling 30 pounds shovels for four for an hour and a half straight every four hours for 10 days at a time okay yep it's insane like my arms i slept with my arms and my body throbbing <laughs> like my whole body just throbbed in pain because it was growing right. right i was like this is awesome because <laughs> i don't know if you've been on a boat in louisiana when it's a hundred whatever degrees and it's sweaty as no. hell and you're working your ass off and then you get to go in a room that's as big as this table yep there's bunks there's two teeny bunks they're like maybe three foot by six foot right bunks but there's an air conditioner the size of this laptop that's on the you. only air conditioner you'll be around for like the nice. summer Nice. So if you did all your work, if you busted it, clean the whole deck, ice hole, wash it, clean everything off because it's going to be ready to go in another hour. Right. You can crash out for maybe a half hour, maybe 20, 30, 45 minutes. Okay. Earn that AC. I would say that was the best best 30 minutes, right? <sighs> Dude, I couldn't. I worked so hard jumping that little teeny tiny coffin that's nice and cold. Just like, oh. We, we call them rest, re, uh, rest reward cycles or work reward cycles. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I was doing that, right? And just so appreciative of that little ice box. Like, oh man, like, and when I came back, you know, jacked as a, you know, eighth grader, right? <laughs> just, I just, did, I just did manual labor for it. Like, I, I it began, it, it really hyper planted this seat. I was like, no one of these other kids that I can tell knows and appreciates what like for real hard work is right like i can't explain anything to you that you're gonna get i don't know if you remember frankenhauser yeah. michael frankenhauser oh, Mike, yeah. so i was he was my neighbor we yeah. grew up i'm like dude you gotta go to the boat with me man this is awesome like i love it it's you're out in the ocean we're you know eating cooking shrimp and you're did he take fish. you up on it he took me up on it okay I begged my uncle I'm like please he's like i'm not bringing another kid because you're the only kid i know of ever to do the work to do the work and not punk out he's like i'm not bringing one of your little lazy friends i'm like no no no. They're like i know this case like you're the only kid right and i'm imagining i'm a grown-up now like of course thinking i know i'm like no this guy's different <laughs> right so he so i bring freaking hauser dude i'm talking a few days in a full trip is 10 maybe 11 days on the water right back for two out for 11 just right right I think it was maybe the third day of, I mean, this is like four hour cycles. Like right. you work for an hour every four hours. Right. Round the clock. Sometimes an hour and a half if you're, if it's too much. Right. Right. And, uh, dude's basically crying. Tapping out. Whining. And, uh, I'm like, don't fuck out on me, man. I'm like, I'm like, don't. My name don't. was on the line dude, here. We're at, we are literally like, it takes eight hours to get to the place where we shrimp. Right. Yeah. So if you, cry right now and act like a baby i'm just imagining how pissed my uncle is that you want me to burn my goodwill my 200 yeah. gallons of gas to yeah. drop off your little friend yeah like i'm imagining like dude don't do this to me man yep. he's like i can't i can't dude he totally we turned the boat around and my uncle was dude so pissed furious he's yep. like don't talk to me until you're you're putting shrimp again in the ice hole, which means the whole trip back, right? Unload airport, 
blah, blah, blah. Wow. There's no Uber. So like, we need to take you shower, park the boat. That's a day of travel. When you, when you tie in bridges, money, man. line, money, dude, the thing holds 2,000 gallons of gas. I would say between gas, whatever, and then the loss of income because he's not oh, shrimping. He's not, dude, it's like magnified, right? Airport is, we, it's a tiny fishing village. We had to drive whatever, an hour to the airport, right. an hour back, load up, regas, re-ice, another day out there. And he's like, all right, you've got a week to make up for this loss. Wow. He goes, this is a lesson and don't ever speak for people. Yeah, it's you, fair. You, you do you. Like you, what you, you. Life experience. You, he's like, don't vouch for people that you can't vouch for. I don't care how much you love them. Yeah. He's like, he might be a great friend, but do you, I want you to understand like how much this costs just everything. Because now, now, he goes, now you know you can't count on him for anything ever. Right. Period. He goes, that should not be your friend when you get back. Like, he was like that mad. Right. He's like, you can't count on him. He couldn't last 10 days. He's like, you did a whole summer. This guy couldn't last 48 hours. Did that stress your relationship with with Oh, yeah. It was was basically began to deteriorate. Decline. Yeah. Because, and I realized, oh, am I like unique in that I'm not scared to work or I'm just so psyched? I was just so excited for life. I was just like, this is like every day. I was like, dude, this is awesome. You know, it's hard work, right. but I was excited all the time. And, uh, that's what makes you who you are now. I don't know. I guess that's just how I look at life, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Like so the point is like, I've experienced that. And then it's like, graduated a year in college. I'm like, call, ask my mom again, do you know anybody else that lives somewhere? <laughs> so she's like, yeah, I got to. I got a friend that has a construction company in South Carolina. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> Drove, you know, I, that became my other voyage. I did a whole summer working in sweaty South Carolina, listening to Paris Island uh, yep. Marines, Marines blast, blast off, sound off all day because we were on the water across from the island. Okay. Boom, 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 just yep. going, going ham over there. And uh, I was like, yeah, this, this life is to be taken and moved and adapted i you know you had no obligations at the time either yeah i don't want to like feel like if i did anything one thing i could immediately foresee okay i could do x for this many years right right? and i guess that's just how i'm like ah you could there's so many turns you can take so i'll ask you this um because i don't know the answer at all and and, you know over that 20 years right because you and i definitely had a different 20 years um was there, and I'm sure I probably know the answer to this, but was there a time during that when you're job hopping? How are we on time here? Uh, are we good? Okay. I can't remember when we started. 10.30? Sure. It's been two hours. Okay. We'll, we'll, feel, we'll, we'll feel wrap like two hours? No. It we'll, doesn't at all. No. We'll, we'll wrap it up because I'm sure the girls outside are, <laughs> yeah. are getting like, hungry. Or whatnot, she's always but, like, ugh, but, dude uh, can never shut up. But, <laughs> hey, wait, wait, part two to be continued. Um, you know, but was there any portion of that 20 years when you were job hopping or, or I say job hopping, opportunity hopping or searching yeah, that you felt that you were going to go hungry? Oh yeah. Many, many times. Okay. Yeah. That was, uh, I mean, just take, for example, when I decided to move to California, I was, you were all I, was ne- I was never taught to save money. Right. I was 
barely taught to pay bills. So Bill Burr, you know, you won't be saying I was a bill paying right. guy. <laughs> it was like, I think about it now, like, how did I make it? So anyways, I had zero, right? Right. I'm like, I have one aunt that I didn't really know in California, but I knew I wanted to get the hell out of Texas. Okay. Call her like, can I come and crash with you until I get a job? I will get a job. I promise you. She's like, yeah, it's cool. I'm like, awesome. Okay. Step two. I need some cash. <laughs> I got zero cash. Okay. I got a way to, I got somewhere to land. Right. Uh, found out my grandfather did a mutual fund for me. Okay. Cashed it out. A little bit of head start. 1800 bucks. Solid. I had, a, I had a, my beautiful 1994 Royal Blue Camaro. Okay. Okay. I got a computer that's probably the size of a refrigerator. Of course. I'm like, I'm good to go. I got a car, clothes, 1800 bucks, a brand new Sprint, little mobile you're cell phone. Living the I dream. Just, yeah, dude, this is opportunity time, right? Man. I was like, that should last me like a year, right? <laughs> no, no concept. <laughs> Sleeping in the car, selling the oh, car. Oh, yeah, like no hotels, just park yeah. and crash, like just, you know, kid. Beginning life. I'm like, I'll just land there. I had thousands of dollars of tickets and text on like i'm never coming back peace i'm out mic drop wait wait thousand dollars and thousand tickets tickets parking i just oh okay okay i'm, I'm registering yeah. california i'm not even where i'm not coming back <laughs> right dump 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 get there dude that 1800 dollars was going very fast till i got my five dollar an hour job but she helped me with that you know so i was about to be zeroed Right, and then when I got that five dollar job, the only way I made it work is because they paid for meals. Okay, so gas, living, basically those siphoned almost everything. I was like, but I was so happy, just like I was in the shrimp. Boat. I was like, yeah, dude, got my own spot. Right, I'm fed. Your own man. I like I'm on my own. That's all that mattered. Ten months in. Close. This company was huge. It had three floors. The most extended. All the biggest music videos. Every big Foo Fighters video you've ever right. seen. All of the effects, coloring. You know, that's when I learned about the job I do now. But you could see the ocean. They had huge cookouts every Friday. I'm like, dude, this is. I'm good to right. go. I have a career path. Ten months in, they're like, whole place is closed. <laughs> We're shutting it down. I'm like, what? This is like there's cases of awards from all these ball and creative artists right these, you know visual effects artists. and now it's all gone there's like yeah two weeks we're just shutting doors i was like well what happens to us kitchen guys right we're just <laughs> serving coffee here can you can you keep us we're pretty important like we bring yeah, you lunches yeah. and stuff you're gonna starve without us they're like we'll try and place you temporarily okay for less than your five dollars oh wow so we'll place you so i was like cool i'll take it um that also faded and there was these just like just it was about to be on the street type moments right okay just bounce right back up just enough time went on and and trying to be in a new state being a whole new i'm trying to do career stuff or a job like i'm not you know maybe i can learn from these mentors and things but i hadn't figured out how to build those relationships i hadn't really just a mess right so you just I mean, it was dipping very low and then back up and then just so low. So I experienced those way younger. 
where I'm ha- you know, when I met Melissa, I was like glad she was in DC doing real jobs. Got it. She had very successful college, very successful job over there. Like stay over there till I get my stuff together. Fair. So us being apart was good because I really needed to pull together. I think if we were in the same state, in the same city, she'd be like, eh, I don't think you're up to par, buddy. Right. Hey, but, girls mature faster than guys, right? So, you know, I needed to step up. So that's when I really started taking stuff more seriously. But at the same time, like, not saving anything was a point. It's like, so I want him to know, like, Diego, my kids to know, like, yeah, you, you like, teach them how to, like, yeah. financially prepare yourselves for whatever dips are along the road. If you at least have some good fundamentals, it won't be as hard hitting as what I experienced from just not having a backdrop of like, hey, other than like just scrape and survive. Right. Like have another set of fundamentals that you can, you know. Yeah. You'll have your ups and downs, but you won't be like. Struggle. Yeah. Struggle bus. In the bottom. You Struggle know? bus. <laughs> like, ah, uh, just. <laughs> it was some tough times, man. No, I understand completely. Like I said, you know, parents parents always want just a little better than what they did, right, for their kids. Yeah. That's it. So as long as you can check that box and give them a better head start than you had, hey, solid. Take it, right? So <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, it's good, man. Um, you want to- I don't remember what you asked me. So no, 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 no. I was, no, no. I was, asking, if you're, I was asking if you were going hungry at all or if you felt you're going hungry at all. So you answered the question. Yeah. You know, the answer is yes, many times. Many times. Um, uh, built some character. That's why I have so much character now. You are a character. I, I am a character. I do have still very high appreciation <laughs> for everything, probably because of those times, you know. Yeah, life experience, like I said. Yeah. You said. You learn from it. It molds you. And then you also know, I don't want to go back there. Yeah, I do not. You know what I mean? So, all right. Well, I mean, you tell me, brother. You want to wrap this up and go get some uh, Yeah. Get the, get the get oh, some food with the ladies, whatever yeah. the case is. I hope. Have you had Valentina's before? I haven't. And so it's funny. And the last thing I'll say is my cousin's at my house right now. And he said, while you're in Austin, you should probably go to Valentina's. <sighs> Told you. And, and, I, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll figure it out, right? And then something clicked. I remember you had sent me a text saying uh, there's a Valentino taco bribe in for it. Oh, yeah. And, and I just read the name and I wasn't thinking of it because I was like, wait, Corey's wife's name is not Valentina. And I was like, oh, he's talking about the restaurant. You know what I mean? And oh, so yeah. <laughs> so I was like, his, wife, his wife's name Mel. Uh, Mel. Okay, yeah. So I had to go back and look at the text messages. <laughs> and I told my cousin, I said, never mind. I was like, I'm not going to go to Valentina's because, you know, Corey's got Valentina. So anyway, yeah, the name came up, whatever. I was laughing oh, yeah. at it. So, Well, let's go, yeah. Reb. You're going to love it. All right, brother. It's one of the best in the city. I appreciate it. Dude, I, it. Uh, last thing. Yeah. I did. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your friendship and thank you for your service. Hey, it was my honor. Um, everybody always says, Thank you for your service. And most thank people you for, are, most people are always like, Oh, you're welcome. You know what I mean? Or, you know, thank you or you're welcome for my service, that kind of thing, right? That's I don't think that's the right way to do it, kind of thing. It was it was my honor. You know, I mean, it gave me an opportunity to do things that I wouldn't normally get to do and meet people that I wouldn't normally get to meet and and uh and get experiences. You know what I mean? So I I took just as much from it that it gave to me, kind of thing. Or might have said that backwards, but um yeah, it was definitely my honor uh, to serve. So thank you for everything. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm glad we reconnected and, and spend more time together. We need to do it more often. Yeah, for you know sure. I mean, and uh, I got some ideas for the next painting. Okay. okay. Um, it's uh, it, it might be a little more controversial than uh, than the, the previous one. Oh, man, bring it on. But uh, 
I think it's going to check some boxes and people are going to laugh at it. So I think so. Anyway, we'll talk about that later on. Okay. Let's get out of here. Thanks, brother. Thank you.